Hey folks, happy Wednesday. Welcome in to Pro Football Ireland. Scowl the NFL. A really great week last week having James on the show and uh, allowing him to come on and have a bit of crack uh, for each week during the during the regular season. Michael look at Mark Hogan here, of course, but of course James, James Scowl is here as well. James, Kajay, man, happy Wednesday for people that are listening to this. You, you've jumped on the bandwagon. I was joking off camera a second ago. Yeah, I'm just, I was just saying to Michael, I came out of the shower and I picked up two t-shirts. One was an Irish rugby. And the second was the Patriots. And I said, I can't wear the Patriots two weeks in a row. So I said, there's good traction with the rugby team. So at least I'll, I'll back them up for this week coming in a Here, I'll tell you what, hi. Like, we'll stick to the NFL in a second, right? But yeah. as, so, as somebody born within 10 months of uh, Italian 90, would we be on the verge of saying, boys, like James, if... Uh, I don't want to jinx it, but if we're sitting here in five weeks' time, will there be a podcast that week? Everybody calm down. Can everybody just <laughs> calm down a bit, right? Okay, everyone's settled. We've beat Scotland yet. And then we've the All Blacks. So everyone calm down. <laughs> I, I, I definitely might have to go to Master Church this weekend, boys. I'll see the crack. Mark, yeah. you're going to that Scotland game. Going to the Scotland game, yeah, we'll have to knock out a few pre-recorded podcasts for the weekend that'll be in it. But uh, And then I have the semi-final ticket, so everyone's talking about that quarter-final already, but it's the, uh, the I hope to get through, because if this is the year that they can break that, I'll be able to cash in 100%. <laughs> nice. Anyway, James, great <laughs> uh, great to see you. Like some, honestly, like I was saying off-camera, some great feedback last week, and folks, please... Um, Continue feeding back. It's pretty awesome just seeing people listening and engaging with the podcast, not just in this, but every every episode. But James, you're the main man here. First off, um, did you enjoy the NFL weekend? Because it was it was it, like we, we were sort of saying, I think last week, week two felt like the start. But yeah. this week, it just sort of fell into that new flow. And uh, we're now in the cusp of the London games this weekend. And it, it was a good weekend, man. Yeah, it was a good weekend, and I suppose my, my habit over the years has been watching Patriots first and foremost, and then watching division rivals. So uh, I suppose the Patriots game versus the Jets was certainly a game for the purists. Uh, it was a very tough watch, let's have to say, a very tough watch. Um, <laughs> attacking, attacking quality wasn't exactly great. And then when you, <clears throat> I was keeping one eye then on the Dolphins and the Bills, obviously, and to watch what the Dolphins did to the Broncos, it kind of have strike fear into you. And the Bills totally decimated the Commanders. Now the Dolphins, the Bills are facing off this weekend. So I'm kind of hoping, look, let one team keep going. If, if the Dolphins want to keep running, running the board and they turn over the Bills and somehow the Patriots turn over the Cowboys, before you know it, Bills and Patriots are two and two each, you know, and next thing we're back on a bit of parity. <laughs> so that's wishful thinking. <laughs> so here I am. <laughs> yeah, so a good weekend with the Dolphins, yeah. They're hot. Dolphins are hot right now. They're, they're, Mark, they're, the Dolphins are hotter than a hot day and I would say July but it's Ireland so it's hotter than a hot day in September whenever the schools are back It's incredible yeah I'm checking the running list now to see are we talking about that Miami team because yeah what they did on the weekend was outrageous but yeah it's funny that you say that James about oh if the Patriots can turn over the Cowboys that was a massive result by the Cardinals because it kind of shows that you can but then it's the whole thing that it's happened to the Cowboys now I think they're going to learn that it's almost the most inoffensive team that it could have happened to was the Cardinals I guess it would have been better if it was against an AFC team but other than that you know the Cardinals obviously won't threaten but now the Dallas Cowboys that is bulletin board material if ever they needed it I don't think they're going to slip up again well I I, you know I I've often been part of teams whereby you take a, you take a bad beating, I, I suppose an unexpected beating, 
and it really focuses the mind for the next week or two weeks. And you become really kind of hardened uh, and kind of bitter with the way you played the week previous. And that kind of, and everything goes up a notch. You know, you walk into the training facility and, you know, the players are on edge, coaches are shouting louder. You know, even the public, even in our my situation, the community are on top of you a bit more. So it kind of focuses your whole uh, mindset ethos around the game. And I, I, and I am well aware that we're heading into Dallas. The whole of Texas and Dallas are on top of the Cowboys because there was great traction over the first two weeks, that a high-flying offense. And now they've kind of been surpassed by the Dolphins. And, they're, and it's amazing in the NFL. It's like Dallas are now yesterday's news. So fast. Only at week three. During the first two weeks, they were everybody's team. They were not alone America's team, but everyone was, was shouting about them. And I suppose the only one good thing is I, I keep referring to our defense, guys. Our defense is pretty good. And it, it's all the more impressive when you see what Dolphins do to the Broncos, how how good the, the Patriots defense is. So I think if we can stifle them, um, offensively, we have, we have a shot, but we have to connect an awful lot more. Our offense was really social. And some of the play caught you know, especially going to use you on third down with the outside shoulder passes, they're saying critical times, and and they just it just decimates the team around when it doesn't it doesn't kick off. So look, we're lucky that we played the Jets last week. You know, two days ago, very very lucky. But there's a different animal coming down the street now in, in uh, five days' time. Let's uh, let's end the podcast talking about that before we forget about that because that that's a great game. And I know Mark, you're. I feel like Mark's doing a PhD in the Patriots defense at the minute, so we will come back <laughs> to that. Um. James, I I want to be the one to ask you. Like, look, we're, we're we're recording on a Tuesday night, and this is going out on a Wednesday morning. We were sitting here. Well, I was sitting like an absolute agent up to four o'clock in the morning last night, and like, come I think it was an hour and twenty minutes from kickoff. We did not know if Joe Burrow was going to start for the Bengals or not, and we were having the conversation. And it was it was a generic conversation, a podcast all weekend, and it was like, well, should Joe Burrow start? Should he not start? You know. When you've got such a long season, and when I say long, you've got 18 games in a stretch period, it's high intensity. Yeah. As a sports player, as a former uh, intercounty hurler, like you know, it I, I understand it's 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 different to the NFL, but like the whole basis is, is the same. As an athlete, do you, do you want to be on that field no matter what? Or is there a time in your opinion where you feel like you have to sit back? Because for me, that that was so risky last night for him to do that. Yeah, it's, obviously there, there's, there's very contrasting arguments for, for both sports because one is professional whereby they get paid game by game. They don't get a salary week by week like soccer players. They get paid to show up and there's obviously incentives for him with regard to his snap percentage, his completions. I draw it all adds up same in terms of the NFL. But that's why they want to be on the field. For me as an amateur sportsman, it, it, it came to a situation whereby if you're carrying an injury, it, it there's a line there's a line where become, whereby you become either a benefit to your team or a hindrance and if you're crossing over the line and become a hindrance it's up to yourself you have to have to withdraw you have to pull yourself out and I've had experience I've had experience in very in, in big games where I've played in the Ireland final dislocated my shoulder two two days beforehand and I played the final and I didn't you know I was a hindrance I wasn't a benefit to the team and I had to come off at half time ultimately we lost the final and like in hindsight obviously hindsight the 2020 vision, I would never have played that game because I wasn't this able, you know, as effective as, as you'd like to be. Whereas in the NFL, I looked at Joe Burrow. Like I, I watched the, no, I didn't watch it live, Michael, but I, I watched the, the, the rerun of it again today. And he did, like he was, he was quite immobile, if you like. So in terms of the stress he put in his body, not a huge amount. And he still dished out, you know, pretty good. So I think 
from a quarterback. And I, I really got a sense of it when I watched that show on Netflix, quarterback, and I watched Kirk Cousins specifically, and the da- that the damage that they take to their bodies each each week. And I'm not we're not, we're not talking about Nikos. We're talking about serious serious damage that they're able to withstand, and the work that goes into them with with you know massage therapists and and, and you name it. Um, is actually incredible. And there's no amateur sportsman, I can guarantee, in this country doing the level of preparation, rehab, prehab that they're at. So the, I just think you're dealing with different animals and you're talking about NFL professional players. They're doing whatever they can to get on the field to, to, to feed the families, as they say themselves. So, but I said to you, just summarize, in amateur sports, it's a fine line. Are you a hindrance or are you a benefit? It's an interesting one with the Bengals, I think, because, you know, the offense is supposed to be so loaded anyway that what's a game without Joe Burrow? Now, obviously, he's one of the premier quarterbacks in the NFL, but I kind of, I'm kind of interested that can they not win without him? Because look, the the Ravens got into the playoffs last year without Lamar. They squeaked in now, but at least they were able to get in. And that wasn't, like, that wasn't a potent offense to begin with. So, when you have what's supposed to be a solid defense, I think that there is a distraction with the whole uh, Joe Burrow thing. Now, look, they definitely got into a groove yesterday himself and Chase, obviously Chase, what, 141 yards? So, I mean, we needed to see that from them. But this is, it's a a strange one that for such, now look, it's Jake Browning is the quarterback, the backup quarterback, which, you know, when you look around the league and you can see what's happened to so many teams that don't have a backup it does go to show that you should have an insurance policy there. But it's just going to keep on going on. And you're so right to bring up the quarterback TV show because he's taken an absolute beat. And what I noticed yesterday, and I, I only watched the highlights of this. I have to watch the game properly after this, funny enough. But he kind of grew into the game, it seems, as it went on. And maybe he was just loosening up, you know, like it is a calf injury. Maybe he was just getting better. But I don't know what to make of the, the Bengals right now. They were kind of lucky that some of the other results like the Ravens lost this week within the division but when you're right. talking at the top of the show about the defences I think that one of them that's going under the radar is the Cleveland Browns in that division I'll have a say in things because of the defence yeah that Miles Garrett is scary <laughs> he really is he's scary and he's in his groove right now isn't he like if you I would you watch him um, the week previous whereby he's uh, he's getting ready just pre-snap and he's kind of doing this kind of dance shuffle that that yeah. just shows that he's he's in his own. He's he's in his happy place, like and he is he's at the top of his game. If you have someone who is as relaxed as that on a defensive mind heading in pre-snap, ready to run at the quarterback, they're in, they're in the top of their top of their game, top shape. So they're they're really good, and especially in the dog pound, you head up that place. That's a tricky place to go nowadays. Yeah, there was the play this weekend as well where two tight ends were covering him and he was able to draw a delay game because they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to set him up emotions. But would it annoy you, Joe Burrow's injury, when you have a teammate that isn't 100%, you need this player to be 100%? Or do you, I suppose, we all all can think of examples of players that play through injury and it's after the fact we're able to say, because if they lost that last night, it would have been like, why was he on the field? Is that going away? Yeah, well, I just think it's dependent on two things for me. One is what what position is he playing? And number two, what's the extent of injury? So obviously the quarterback is the most important player. And number two, the injury uh, is not as serious in the sense that it affects his throwing motion. I think if he's got a shoulder injury, neck, back, things start to change for me a small bit. But if you're about like a, a, a an ankle, you know, we saw Patrick Mahomes last year in his high ankle sprain. You've got a calf injury. You know, he's got a quad injury. 
we see in the past, they can get through these injuries. They can get through them, and they can still they can still be efficient. Like to go back to your, your previous point, if Joe Burrow doesn't play, does the Cincinnati Bengals suddenly turn into the Jets? Straight up, because the Jets have a great defense. They've got some good skill players, and not 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 a bad offensive line at times. And look what's happened to them. The whole ethos, the whole thing has shifted now from a hugely uh, positive outlook for the Jets to just downright depression. <laughs> you know, honest, like, and in fairness, it's not as if Zach Wilson's not getting time. He had 3.1 seconds on average to throw the ball, which is acres of time in, in NFL history, in NFL times. Whereas like Tom Brady in his heyday would get it open 2.2 seconds. Mm. At that point line of a second, that one second is yourself it's days in, in that instance so you can see how it affects the mindset of a team and it ultimately the bombs the one of the main storylines from the weekend was James the Miami Dolphins and it was touched on briefly there but like they were lethal to say the least against a team that I unfortunately support in the Denver Broncos and you know it was not depressing at all to see that yeah weekend, but as we've just learned now Michael the Denver Broncos James has told us that when you receive a beat down you're going to be on fire the next week. So you're Denver Broncos. Watch out, Chicago Bears. Well, yeah, two or three teams. Sorry. The in 1940, Chicago scored 73 points in the 1940 NFL Championship game. Now I know us boys were not around then. Um, and look, I'll, I'll not even go into more on that, but. The, the, the Dolphins won the game 70-20, but they had the opportunity, James, to kick a field goal and at least tie the record. I think the yeah. modern-day record 72, so they had the, the chance to beat the modern record, but they had the chance to, to tie that. Uh, and the head coach, Mike McDaniel, chose not to out of respect. Do you think that's ridiculous, like in terms of a sporting sort of sense, or do you want to have the record? Like that's something, like we might never see a scoreline like that in the next 20 years. Do you know what like, I mean? I think if, if a producer were, if that was Bill Belichick over that team, they're kicking the field goal. There has to be a level of ruthlessness to all these teams, you know. And, and I understand McDaniels was a ball boy for the Broncos, you know, 18, 19 years ago. I understand he might have some overriding respect for that franchise. But ultimately, his job as the Dolphins, his job was to, is to get as much traction for that team as possible. I would have kicked the field goal. I would have taken the record. I would have moved on, taken the products, and then head, head, to, head to Buffalo next week. Forget about your respects. Forget about your... Your, your external plaudits from the, you know, from the purists, etc. Kick the field goal, take your record, move along. You know, it's another stepping stone, another, like another plus to the team. Um, I just can't stand it because even like Sean Payton, if you remember what he said last, last was it last year about Nathaniel Hackett? I think it was last year. I think he said about the worst coach performance of all time. <laughs> well, <laughs> what goes wrong comes wrong, my friend. You know, it was just an all-out disaster. So I think if you're if you're heading heading places. And you're heading for for uh, for a Super Bowl championship. There has to be a serious level of ruthlessness. And in that instance, kick the field goal, take the record, and drive on. I've had this going through my head the whole time. I'm so glad that you said ruthlessness because I think you have to be able to show that level to your team that it's yep. like you know that you keep the foot on the gas the whole time. And I know that he came off. And he said he doesn't want the bad karma, but for me, it was kind of like the karma came back straight away and we did talk about John Payton's character because people wanted to, even how you've made a joke about it there, it's like you kind of wanted to drag his name through the dirt a bit because he was just, it's just been so toxic since he started with the Denver Broncos really. But it did show that Mike McDaniel has this in him that, you know, he can be upstanding and respectful. 
But I kind of wonder from a team point of view, has he let them down? Because what a team building exercise that is to say we are the highest scoring offense of all time. That's a title that could maybe, as you said, Michael, might stand with them for 20 or 30 years. It's just one of those titles that we'll always remember this as a massive scoring game, but it won't be flashed on the screen as the team that did it, you know, one, two, five, ten years from now. So I think from there he's let it down. I also think he could have given it to the fans because the fans, you know, whether that's on your social medias or whatever, which can be toxic in its own right. But I think that they can, you know, have a party with that as well. And that comes back in future weeks that I think there was there was a bit more good than he realized that could have come from that. And the respectful side of it is nice and everything. But as you said, there's numerous head coaches, some of the best that ever have done it, that absolutely, and they're in field goal range. I'm even yep. wondering, at the NFL, kind of like, well, we like that those kind of records. We want to sell our product. We want to have social media posts out there too. That I don't know, does it, has it suited anyone for him not to kick that field goal? No, and at that stage, like you had God knows how many touchdowns scored. You had 350 passing yards, 350 rushing yards. Now, I just equate it to any kind of record whereby you're heading to territory that no team does on a regular basis. So, for example, if you're a team heading for 17 and 0, are you going to take the foot off the gas and go, it's okay to lose one? No way. You want to keep going and keep driving your team to make sure you get the unbeaten record. And I, I put that in the same category as this. I, I agree with you, Mark. If I was attending that game and I was a fan, I would love to be part of that history. You know what I mean? In, I don't know, 10 years' time, 15 years' time, say, yeah, I was there. I was there. It's like when you see in any sport, in baseball or whatever, when they hit the most home runs, whoever catches the ball. You know, I was there. It's worth a fortune. So I, I think I think we were kind of, you know, we were sold a little bit short. To be honest. That, this is coming from a, a division rival, but still, for me, I, I'm, I'm all for records. I'm all for seeing good teams do good things. And, like, I would kick the field goal, set the record, and at least then it gives it the great talking point. It's the great, you know, it's rubber stamped in history for... God knows how long, because it's such a hard feat to 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 overcome. So yeah, I think we were. He's on about karma. Mm. I don't believe in that. <laughs> like you make, you make your own look. You, know, you make your own look. So we'll see. It's long yet though. That's what exactly. this week. I, I was frantically googling earlier on some Galway hurling records to to bring up and be like, well, if you were going for a record, you you wouldn't want to. <laughs> but like genuinely, like if Dublin went in some ridiculous run in the football. And they were too off from Kerry. I mean, they're not going to take the fall off and gas. Go, well, hold on a second here. Wait. We don't want it. Like, I mean, like, kick the field goal. I'm a Broncos fan. And I'm thinking, kick the field goal. Like, that was an absolute disgrace on Sunday. And do you want know to? I, I don't want to go down a hole here, but I don't think that I even bad of it. I don't even think that I bad of a team. I think the the, the coaching and the defense was atrocious on Sunday. Like, the defense isn't even that bad. That's what image, annoys me. There's an image, lads. Um... I can't pronounce the running back's name. Is it O'Shane? I can't. How do you pronounce his name? The second running back behind uh, most for the Dolphins. Yeah, he's, he's changed his uh, pronunciation of I can't his surname. It's a uh, Ashian, but he wants O'Shane. to be called Achan or something now. So Achan, Achan. Yeah, so there you go. I heard two different uh, two different versions of his pronunciation of his name, so I was afraid to say it. But there's an image, and it's a rear image of him taking the run. I don't know what play it is, but there is there's eight Broncos players on the ground. So eight Broncos, that means the, the the Dolphins offensive line, they came right through and they just buried all the Broncos players. I'll have to get it up to you guys if we're up on the on Twitter because it's like the best day of the image to see Dolphins players elevation upright and all the Broncos guys horizontal. It was just a pure snapshot of the day. I'm just going to try to find it now. 
It's an amazing I, image. I, w- I wonder what it's like for them in but for both teams in training this week. Look, you're not going to take the 70 points away from the Dolphins. They're absolutely ecstatic. But stay on the receiving end of a punishment. What's that done to the Broncos, do you think, this week? Oh, God. It's, it's psychological damage because, first of all, you're questioning your own ability. Because if you can, if you can imagine you spent all training camp, you, you signed free agents, you came through a draft, you got a new coach, there's good traction. The whole thing, the, the, the whole image of the, of the franchise w- was to change on the back of Peyton coming in. Now he'll fix Wilson or he, at least he'll establish a good relationship with Wilson and they'll have like a breeze Peyton relationship. All that now has just been blown up in smoke. It's all gone because whatever they've done in the weeks previous, whether it be preseason and, and, and in regular season, it's just been proven to be wrong. Like there's no, in the history of the NFL, obviously, I can't think of, in, in the long line watching, I can't think of a gap in scoring whereby seven touchdowns wouldn't bring you back. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe three touchdowns, maybe you might get a 42-21, you might get a 45 twin. You know, you'd never get us. I, I can't remember 70 or even 60s, 50s even. It's, it's hard for me to, to access the mainframe and think about that. But it's just, it was downright, and it was it was dirty. And I, I was I was scouring the internet then over the last year or so to see could I find, you know, any kind of podcasts or interviews that the likes of Elway would have done, Shannon Sharp, and I found one of Shannon Sharp. And by God, does he go in two-footed on the Broncos franchise? He attacks everything. He attacks scouting, coaching. The only person that he left actually in a positive light was the owners. And they invested loads of money. He attacked everybody else, and they were nothing short of a disgrace, which is which is huge from a Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame tight end, and who who has that franchise close to his heart. So he obviously must be some truth to it. It's yeah. you know you say there's very few games that have a seven touchdown difference in them, but like there's been even fewer games that this kind of performance has come. And this is going yeah. to be a week ten, week eleven, week twelve podcast when we're talking about Sean Payton. I'm sure that the head coach has pretty much gotten off scot free, really. Like because we've seen what he's done with the Saints. Like look at what has happened with Matt Eberflus over with Chicago or with Brandon yeah. Staley. Like in Brandon Staley wasn't too early in week two for Michael here on our other podcast to talk about that his job could be gone. Maybe we will talk about the Chargers in a minute. But like Sean Payton, like they're locked in with it or whatever. But it's should uh, Josh McDaniels was the same coming out of Monday Night Football that you know is he able for the coaching job as well? Yeah. And for Sean Payton, and I, I don't want to start this discussion tonight, but I know as you as a Broncos fan, this is absolutely outrageous that this happened two years in a row, well, Michael. I mean, like I'll I'll jump in before James jumps in, and I'll just be honest with you, voice and people listening to this don't think less of me. I guess now, whenever we're like we we really try and cover the league as best we can for the Irish market, so. We, we look at all 32 teams. Like, I'm a Broncos fan. Mark's a Cardinals fan. I don't care anymore. And that's my reaction after this weekend. And that's the worst thing you can say as a fan. I'm at the point now where I don't care. Because I've seen everything. I've seen the highest of the highs. And I've now seen the lowest of the lows. And I feel like it's going to get even worse. And I'm genuinely, unfortunately, at the point of a fan where I don't care anymore. And that's not good. That it's, it's not hey. good to feel like that. I will not be watching the game on Sunday. I don't care about the Bears Broncos game. If they lose that game, I mean, sell up, boys, sell up. No, look, I mean, I met the owners last year. Very, very nice people. They put a lot of money into the team. Um, I don't know. I don't know where you start. It's a player told us off camera for a different podcast that there's a split in the dressing room. So, James, take it away, my man. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, before you say that, just wait until your team plays the Dallas Cowboys and through the second quarter, you're suddenly beating them and you're saying that you don't care. But all of a sudden, I'm supposed to be in bed and I can't get my eyes off the Cardinals again. It's only week three. I can't believe they're going to win. See, I Mark, can tell you that will not happen the Broncos. <laughs> yeah, what you're doing, Mac, is you're, you're saving yourself from disappointment. You're telling yourself, no, no, it's okay. I don't care. But then when they get close to winning, they didn't, they didn't care. They didn't really care. It's incredible. Myself and Jason, uh, Jason that we do the other podcast with, we're both the same. We we had such low expectations. It was so, so low that I almost got frustrated when they won in week one and week two because I was thinking, like, you're wasting it. Like, But when they... Now I'm actually... I'm definitely in on this story of guys that are borderline whether they should be starters in the league. A lot of them shouldn't be. And it's just pure hunger and fight. And I'm like, wow, there's more way, ways to win in the NFL now look that can go completely out the window if they were to receive a level of success we have to see how much of this is Jonathan Gannon because I have been really impressed by what he's getting out of the defence but it's made an embarrassment of out of Cliff Kingsbury the way that Rondell Moore yeah. was used like he was brought in as a gadget guy and he was used like as perfectly as he could have been on the weekend so it, it's it is showing me a side of the NFL that we haven't paid too much attention to before just his absolute hunger and fight can actually win the games against literally the best teams. And it goes to show how competitive the NFL is that the worst team can actually beat the best team on their day. Like another question too, Mark. What's your mindset now? Like, I suppose you're looking last week and you were saying as a Cardinals fan, I've got the Cowboys coming up, I've got the Niners, and I've got the Bengals. You were saying this is going to be a long month. <laughs> Whereas now... The landscape has changed somewhat. Now the Niners, I know, different story. If he, if he can beat the Niners, oh, you're in contention. See, this, my, my mindset was that I have an, a bet, a team to go 0-17 this year, and that was intended for all intents and purposes to be the Cardinals. Yeah. So when I got through week one and two, I said, great, I have this week going off now, or this next month, they only play the Cowboys, they play the 49ers. This bet is like home and hose. The the hardest teams to lose to were the Giants and Washington, and they pushed them. But then it's like, now I look at those games in a completely different prism. They should have won them. They absolutely should have won them. I wouldn't have admitted that in week one and week two because I just went into this season with this incredible storyline of just how poor they were and how they offloaded any valuable asset. But now it's like, I I don't know what to do with Kyler Murray is healthy because you were trying to keep him out because he didn't want to win games. Now it's just that Josh Dobbs is an absolute baller, so that's great to see. But yeah, I do think that they're going to be too feisty, too competitive through the rest of the year that they should still learn a high draft pick but I think that their leaps and bounds better than certainly the Chicago Bears and I'd say this week the Denver Broncos that I think they're out on the Caleb Williams um, sweepstakes because there's just two teams that are in complete disarray and as poor as the Cardinals are on paper that's not showing on the field and yeah I think that maybe they're going to do themselves out of the first overall pick the only way that they're going to get it back is if they trade their own and the Houston Texans if that's like a number two and three to the Denver Broncos who are happy with Russell Wilson but even that is you know playing sky really Broncos will win a few games Broncos will win three or four games what do you say like, but the Bears yeah. I don't think the Bears will I don't think the Bears that's a podcast for another day we weren't even I don't think the Broncos will be in the top four like I, I think the Broncos will win a few games towards the end they'll not be in the top ten probably not be in the top four James Mind can we talk about a different team in the AFC sorry very, very, very I say so, before we leave the Broncos you look defeated <laughs> You're just I am I am like it's, it's you know like, it, like James you go from you know, I've been very lucky to see, see them win it all. I mean, you go from Peyton Manning to 
to Brock Osweiler to Trevor Simeon to Paxton Lynch to to losing like you know losing in so many different ways to to the Chiefs dominating the NFL to like just being bottom of your division to have so many losing seasons to to conceding seventy points to have a new ownership new ownership yeah, comes in. The Trump has played. Lewis Hamilton comes in, even though he owns zero point zero 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 four percent of the team. I'm done. I'm bored. I still support them, but I don't care anymore. And that for a fan, for them, if that's me here, if fans in America feel like that, they should be terrified. And they do feel like that because they've got six thousand empty seats. The NBA team in the same city won the championship last year. They've got a hell of an NHL team. I think they're in trouble. Genuinely, I I think the, the organization's in trouble. But I I think it'll go on for another. I think it'll go on until Patrick Mahomes retires. But can we talk about the Chiefs very quickly, James? Because I have to get your opinion. Absolutely, back on. Yeah. First off, um, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, and secondly, are you a are you a Swifty yourself? Or so first and foremost, right? Uh, and I mean this with the greatest respect. I hate the Chiefs. Yeah, okay? I hate the Chiefs. <laughs> I, I don't like them. I don't like their quarterback. <laughs> I don't like oh wow. his wife. I don't like his brother. I don't like the coach. I don't like that they took Joe Tony. I just don't like them. Okay. <laughs> I don't like the disrespect to Showtime Brady. The sweetest victory I've ever seen is when we went into Arrowhead and won the AFC Championship there. That was the best victory ever. And remember Brady and Gronk walked out to the bad yeah. boys for life. I, I, I watched that video weekly. Weekly <laughs> just to remind myself. <laughs> oh, yeah. So the Chief. No, I'm not a sweet thing. Well, Joe, I would, see her, I would like to see her in, con- in, con- in a concert, but now I'm like, nah. With Kelsey and everyone, I, I hate the argument that people say Kelsey's better than Gronk. No, he's not. He's not better than Gronk. Gronk is the ultimate tight end. Sorry, I'm getting off into a tangent always. Really, yeah, I'm Gronk. You're Gronk. But like, did, did your opinion back. of did your opinion of Mahomes not change when you watched quarterback? Because as a Broncos fan, my my genuinely my my opinion of Mahomes completely changed when I watch it. I could see where I'll, I'll look past Jackson. I'll look past the misses. He seems like a decent enough lad. Like maybe, maybe I'm like being mad. I don't know. Yeah, he seemed like he seemed. I, I was drawn to Kirk Cousins. I really liked him in in that uh, in that series. I suppose they maybe portrayed that he had a tougher time of it with regards to injuries and and uh, you know carrying the franchise in a different way than Mahomes is. But I had no argument with Mahomes. Like I just, I suppose I'm I'm speaking strictly professional sport. You know, as on a personal level, he looked like a nice guy, decent fella, good father, good husband, etc. All that jazz. Yeah, but to me, it's irrelevant. <laughs> like. Simply as a competitor, like he's he's the chief quarterback, and he's so well suited to Andy Reid. Um, I suppose I'm just a bit, a bit touchy when I hear the comparisons about Mahomes and Brady and Reid and Belichick, and Kelsey and Gronk, you know. And I'm a bit defensive, so that's why when it comes to the Chiefs, I'm saying I don't want to hear about them. And my friend Johnny Cohen, who played for Galway as well, like I would have, I would have been respectful to him. You know, he's a Chiefs fan because he's his wife's family are from Kansas. I would have been respectful to him. About when when the Patriots were in their mode of domination, and it has turned full circle on me. I should not have been respectful to him because it's turned <laughs> on me. It's fine. Now he's giving it to me. <laughs> so yeah, but uh, yeah, look, Chief, impressive again. They just seem to have the answer to it, don't they? Of course, yeah. Taylor Swift, no, not for me. Moving on. Uh, the, the worst thing is that Taylor Swift coverage. Because you know it. what you know what you're saying about like. I, I went to Taylor Swift years ago and my partner loves Taylor Swift but like I could not stand the, the amount of content 
that they've put out about Taylor Swift. It is uh, now look, they're probably right to market. I don't know what market they're marketing to. All the Swifties are hardly. You, you'll get them at games wanting to meet her. I was thinking, will it affect the price for tickets in Munich or sorry in Frankfurt? Is she going to go along to that game because it's going to be something different? I have no idea, but it will affect ticket prices, which is annoying for fans. But like, ah, oh, it has been absolutely unbearable, and it's a storyline that I did need coming, and it's like. On a personal note, I'm kind of like, wait, if this is this is not so obviously the end of the podcast. I don't think they're a very good couple. It's like, I, I just don't see how that works. She's like super famous and super popular. And any of the previous relationships you've ever seen talked about, it's not Travis Kelsey. Makes no sense to me. He's too I douchey. He's too douchey, I isn't he? I, I love it. Could you imagine? Hold on here. Taylor Swift playing three dates. Now, James, bear with me here. I know, I know you don't like the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey oh and, and Taylor Swift get together. The Aviva next year, flea dates. Travis comes oh, what are we doing? training camp starts. And we're all getting on the pints of Travis, getting the wee podcast in. Imagine, boys, it, this is, it is the long-term goal here. Like, it has to happen. You're thinking yeah, of the marketing like, that we can do if we can get Travis Kelsey <laughs> yeah. having points at our... <laughs> and like, I've seen some of, I've seen some of the, the, the stuff he does with his brother, the New Heights podcast, and I have to say, he comes across, comes across as a nice, nice dude. Mm. Um, but still in the back of my mind he's no bronc back to the football Marcus go for it Mark go for it I have no idea how we follow up for that as far as we were supposed you gotta go we were supposed can we talk we about, suppo- about sports and one going for his drawn goal line can we talk about that yeah please let's That's- talk about the Chargers because this was Bill That's- and we mentioned it there on? earlier yeah. about like coaches that are able to get away with their jobs last week on the other podcast we talked Michael about whether um, Stady was under pressure now I picked the Chargers because I still thought they were going to win the game there was many reasons why both teams should have lost this but uh, do you know you're talking about the the fourth down I don't know which is the worst play the going for your own four or sorry on fourth down and not throwing when all day you've gotten 30 rush yards off 15 carries from um, who was the back of um, Kelly Joshua Kelly Joshua Kelly yeah Almost as many yards was Justin Herbert himself running it. Like, you, you could not get any yards. Everything that they did, the Chargers did today, was through the air. Absolutely everything. They are struggling mightily on the ground. 30 yards in a game, they're struggling mightily without Austin Eckler. Yeah. And then to suddenly run it on your own, like, it's, it's the decision to go for it. And then it's the decision to run. And I know that the common norm is to run it in that position. I 100% understand that element of it. But this team in particular, what Brandon Staley was thinking, if he has to run that, it's like, actually, do you know what? As aggressive as I want to be, I can't go for it based on this game. And I certainly can't go for it based on the history of the last couple of years when I should have lost my job for the exact same aggression on fourth down. And it wasn't even the exact same aggression because at least normally I do it in the other side of the field, typically. Yeah. Like, I, I can check that. I can check... You know, if you, if you cross the 50-yard line, you've got a fourth and one or fourth and inches. I can check it because there's usually a high probability when you get within the one yard that you actually execute. And nine times out of ten, if it's below, if it's less than the fourth and inches, it's a run. It's a quarterback sneak. Uh, and then if it's beyond the yard, it's always a throw. You know, or it's a seam or a screen. You know, it's never a run for your own goal. And I thought it was absolute and utter madness. It was one of the games I was focusing on because, as I was saying, Kirk Cousins was a quarterback that I kind of got drawn to a bit. I thought he was just a nice... Nice guy, and some sometimes I think he gets a bit. Maybe I'm got a bit soft in my old age that he gets a bit undue flack <laughs> for for not winning as many playoff games as he should. 
And I was kind of excited with him at the start of the year when they're own two. I said, no, it's not Ari's own fault. Like he's been hit in the top three, you know, quarterback hits all season. And I'm saying, yeah, maybe it's just it's it's his supporting cast. But then they went for the fourth and one, and that kicked off a whole series of events that was just ludicrous. First of all, Vikings had a great comeback. Now they have four attempts to punch it in with a minute and forty odd left in the clock with two timeouts, I think was it? So like it you've, was, got, yeah. you've got new, numerous chances to kick it in the goal. And then they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. A bad throw, a tip pass game. It was just such a, it was such a strange series of events. It was a bad coaching call, terrible coaching call, whereby your head coach, I would reckon, overrules your offensive coordinator and, and runs the play at that stage. And then it was bad time management, I thought, from Kirk. So where I'm trying to defend the man, you know, for the last two weeks, I'm looking at that game and going, she's that's on the quarterback's shoulders. For me, it's on the quarterback's shoulders. The Vikings should be they, out of that game with a win. They got lucky and unlucky. They got lucky in the sense that uh, the Chargers throughout the game, but particularly on that last drive, Michael Davis had uh, a third down penalty. It was third and 11. And I know they would have gone for it on fourth down, the Vikings. But like it like it looked, like it, it gave them the juice yeah. again that they needed. But then, you know, we have to talk about the time management at the end that they hadn't got it sorted out. And I was reading today that it might have been sound. With, but sure, everyone has to do do crowd noise in these stadiums. And it's it's absolutely insane. screens everywhere in that stadium. Like it's, 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 stadium. it's, not, it's not even 10 years old, that stadium. They've got, look up and have a look. Like yeah. they had 40 odd seconds. Kirk would have known exact- that. It's the exact same stuff that the bounce of the ball that went with them last year is completely gone against them this year. Now, once in the game, I thought this is the same old look that they're getting. When Alexander Madison in the second quarter fumbled the ball and it was a clear fumble and his forward progress was ruled so they got the ball back, I was like, that is absolute nonsense. They got a touchdown afterwards. I was thinking, oh, this is how the Chargers, this is the misfortune. Because it's, it's two teams, like it's the Chargers get so lucky with that stuff Sorry, the Vikings get so char- lucky with that stuff. The Chargers are unlucky with it, but it really it was it, it was two zero and two teams who surprised us a bit last year that did not want to win the game or certainly cannot be coached to win the game. It was absolutely crazy. But like I am, I'm harsher on the Vikings now this week than I was last week, and they're the yep. ones that won it. So to say, like, try and make sense of that for me, please. Yeah. I, I will say about Herbert, he had a fantastic game, but it actually could have been changed if to play. I mean, what was his total yards? I have it here in front of me. 40 for 47, mm. 405 yards, three touchdowns. I think it was, that turns into 85% uh, accuracy. But for Donald Parnham's second touchdown, it is an absolute rocket. And except for he has such strong hands, that could have gone on the ground and that was a fourth down play. And equally for one of the touchdowns, it came out of, I can't think of which Vikings defender it was now, but it should have been an interception. And those are the kind of things that can change an outlook on the game. So it's like, I don't want that to be lost in the coverage of it. Because if you just read the box score, which a lot of people do, that will be lost. Justin Herbert, fantastic. But, you know, there was two plays there that could have been intercepted or just hit on the ground and it completely changes the game. I, uh, I stand by my comment last week. I think Steely would have lost his job if they lost that game. I think if they if if the if the Vikings had have actually converted that at the end, I think Steely would be out of a job right now. Uh, James, do you want to end your podcast this week on this Cowboys game? Are you nervous? How's the nerves? Sweating? I I always get a bit nervous. To be honest, like truthfully speaking, I get more nervous playing the teams that we're expected to beat. I was a bit more nervous last week as far as the Jets, and um, because it's all negative media and it's kind of a negative situation there. 
in New York, and I was thinking this is the game that they could just actually swipe us, you know. And they flipping nearly did. Like Zach Wilson had more yards in one drive like, than he had, you know, in the whole of the game. That's what that's when he got the touchdown. But I'm nervous because, like, we have so many penalties, so many false starts, so many holes. There was numerous stages whereby we had more yardage in penalties than we had in games at one stage. Like we 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 negative yards because of penalties. Uh, now, in one instance, I am happy with the defense. I'm hoping that the Joneses, the three of them, come back for a secondary. We need them. And with regards to the Cowboys, Diggs is gone. I think Zach Martin is obviously out. One other one of their old linemen is gone. So there's an opportunity here to, to go at them, to really, really go at them. And it's in, it can be you know, dry weather, obviously. We won't have the rain like we had in New York. And I'm hoping that we just begin to click. I'm waiting for this click. You know, I was hoping that we might kick in a week two, and I was hoping to kick in last week. And this kick where like, Mac Jones gets on a really good level with with Bone, with Henry, with with Juju, etc., and we start to kick on. Um, so I'm I'm sitting here hopeful, borderline wishful that we come away with a victory on Sunday. Well, the defense is you know first off week one, you got you got Philadelphia. You hold Jalen Hurts to 170 yards passing. AJ yep. Brown's got under 80 yards on the day. Week two, you pick off two. You hold Tyreek Hill to 40, 50 yards. Or, Car or Wilson yes. the week after. 50 yards, zip, zippity do that TDs. This is one of the best defenses in the league. And for all the negativity that they're getting around the offense from, from general fans, as Mark talks about looking like like myself, to be fair, I've been very down on them. Like I'll, I'll be honest. But like for people that looking like that are looking at the box score, you know. They held the Jets to 10 points at the weekend. I'm, like, I know there's many different factors to the Jets, but if they go in on Sunday and start off well and can stop Dak Prescott, like making sure that they don't run the ball for a start, but making Dak yeah. make those throws and picking them off, you got a couple of early picks there. Like I'm telling you, like this could go one of two ways. It could be a 30 to 10 or a, it, it could be it could be tight. Yeah, it's just I suppose the concern of mine, lads, is that if I look at you know look at look at the the areas we got into with our offense. You know, our kicker had four attempts over 40 odd yards and like missed a lot. Contrast that with Mackey with four attempts over 50 yards and scored them all. You know, so it's not as if we're, our special teams are, are are shooting lights out too when we get into field goal range. So it's like we have to bar the touchdown. We didn't really penetrate. Our longest pass was 18 yards. So I'm just slightly concerned. And I, I do expect the defense to do their job. But the trouble is the defense are on the pitch too much. They're just on the field too much. You know, and like the, the, the Cowboys... We we resorted a good run game with them too, but the fact that they're losing linemen, I suppose they're going to go to the air a bit more with the, with the former CD Lamb and whatnot. So I think if if a bit if you remember the game in Foxborough a couple of years ago, um, if you get at Dak Prescott and you can turn him over, it just begins to unravel. I don't have huge confidence in that man. I don't put him in the same level as I put in the top two quarterbacks. Even when I hear Jerry Jones speaking two weeks ago saying he was. He was the best leader he ever he's, he's ever seen. That's baloney. That's him just building up his confidence in his quarterback, trying to trying to make him into something he's not. So I think he can actually you can actually get at him. I no doubt he's a good guy, but I just think you can get at him. He's one of those quarterbacks that you can actually turn him over and get in, get inside his head. And next thing he begins to unravel. But maybe you might disagree, but it's just I have that feeling about him for the last couple of years. It's going to be a difficult difficult one because you'd imagine that the Dallas offense or defense will be reeling. So. That's the. I mean, look, you just played one of the best defenses in the NFL, but it's not like you're lights out. But I do want to ask you something, even though, and I'm trying to tee it up to say that it's going to be hard to see this this weekend because I think that Dallas is going to give the offense a really difficult time. Just noticing that only one 
receiver, Kendrick Bourne, had more than two catches for the Patriots. Last week, we were talking about how they need to do more than just throw it to the wide receivers. Bur- it looks like they don't know how to use everyone is kind of what I'm getting at. Farrell Brown had two receptions. Devontae Parker, two receptions. Mike Giusecki, one. Now, he, now he's the tight end. Mario Douglas was back in this game. Ezekiel Elliott caught a patch. So there was nine different players that caught passes. Only one of them had more than two. <laughs> Bit of Ryan's impact. He was supposed to make Matt Jones better. Now, they, we did see the offensive line. It was better this week. But, like, how are you feeling about the offense in terms of, like, it's, it doesn't have an identity yet? And is that just because they've played really good defenses? Or, like, what do we want that down to? And they, and we have to give they've played really, really difficult defenses. Yeah, they have. They've, they've played difficult defenses, but also they've missed a lot of opportunities. And the opportunities they've missed hasn't been down to, to weather or pass breakups or opposition. It's been down to lack of connection. So if you there's there's two particular third downs that are in my head from the from the fourth quarter of the last day where Juju does an out route and Max throws to him and I, I don't know was it the route was it the wrong timing or the bad throw but I'm not talking about inches I'm talking about a yard you know they, they, there was a yard of separation between where the ball was and where Juju was that just screams to me a pure connection it's not like it feels like Mac is just not on the same page with his receivers at the minute and it worries me like I always say to you guys. It worries me that the tight ends are the mo- have the most receptions and most yards in the team because that, that just screams to me check down passes, five yarders, drop pops, passes that, that, that are reactive as opposed to proactive. Like the one to Farrah Brown and the touchdown against Miami, like they were the longest I've seen Max Jones throw in a while. And then you look at the likes of, you know, Jordan Love, the way he's slinging it. He's a young kid too. Like Kenny Pickett is slinging it. So I'm talking about depth now. And like, it's like, when are we going to open up teams? When are we going to stretch the field? And I remember I was saying to you a couple of weeks ago, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting with the addition of, of Demario Douglas, who was lightning quick, and Kendrick Bourne and Parker, that we can stretch the field and then check off to our, to our, let's say, to our slot receivers and tight ends. I haven't seen a bit of that whatsoever. So it just it seems like we're we're stuttering at the minute. But that's why I said to you, I feel like it's 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 a maybe it's a process. I hate to use that word. Or maybe it's it's an offense <laughs> in progress, if you like. And then hopefully we get better as things go along and we can figure it out. It's that simple. But you see, I've seen in numerous times over the years where the Patriots' defense figure it out as the games go on. So I'm kind of hoping that the offense do the same thing this year. Yeah, especially with someone like Bill O'Brien in there. Uh, I think that Demario Douglas being benched last week because of the fumble, or was it a drop? It was a fumble, right? It was a fumble. Oh, yeah. That, like, yeah, it doesn't help this defense or offense get on the same page. But again, I, I just don't think that spreading the ball out as much as they did helps either. Maybe it's just the game plan because that's how you have to attack the Jets defense. But it's or yeah, Jets defense. But they, I just I just haven't seen the identity come through yet. Other than what, exactly what you're saying, dump downs to tight ends. Yeah, yeah. Here I am. Let's see what <laughs> we're uh, talking about next week. Who knows? Maybe maybe you go to Dallas. Maybe you do the business. Who knows? How? Um. Here, James, this wasn't just insightful, it was a good crack as well. I I, I think that Taylor Swift com- conversation will go down in history, but uh, <laughs> appreciate it, sir. Um, look, obviously, best luck this week with your game and, and hope, hope you get a chance to sit down and take control of the, of the living room again this weekend and, and enjoy the NFL. We'll be in London. We will, um, I'll try and get Mark here to bring you back a bar of rock and post it over to Galway. <laughs> but, uh, we'll see. Um, James, thanks a million for your time, sir. Again, it's, 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 been, it's been great crack and We'll chat to you soon. Well, there's safe travels, guys.